Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist about all things dating, relationships, lifestyle related. Uh, welcome to the first podcast of 2022. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you had a good Christmas, New Year, holiday period. Uh, I unfortunately got COVID, but recovered really quickly. I must have had uh, the Omicron variant. It was very mild. Might have been because of the vaccine too. So thank you to science. I don't know. I don't know who I'm supposed to thank there. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Crush Organic CBD Oil. CrushOrganics.com with a K. Use the code Neil for 40% off. They've got a huge range of CBD oil products. I've now switched over to the gummies. I really like the gummies because I know exactly how much uh, I need every night. I take two of those gummies every night. It's brilliant. Relaxes you. Perfect way to end a stressful day. CrushOrganics.com. Use the code Neil. Eliza, how are you going? How was your uh, Christmas and New Year's? It was really good. Thank you. I spent it down in Kayama, which was nice. Um, we stayed at, I, ha- I swear I have the worst luck though with Airbnbs. The last time I stayed in Airbnb, we left because I thought it was That's haunted. Right. And and this time we just had crazy, crazy owners. And right before, the day before we got there, they sent me a 12 page contract to sign. But if I didn't sign, we lose the, like, you know, it costs three and a half grand to stay there. Um, and it was literally like, if you don't take the bins out on bin night, you get fined $500. You have to agree to pay up to five and a half grand of damages. If you, wait, five and a half um, grand no if you don't up. take the bins out? No, five, 500 if you don't take the bins out, but five and a half grand if you have any damage. So if they find anything broken, they can charge you anywhere Do you, do you guys read the reviews on Airbnb before you book these yeah. places? Yeah. <laughs> and there weren't any, which is no, really weird. Go. But I also know I used to be an Airbnb host and you can dispute Airbnb reviews. So I wondered mm. if maybe that had happened. And then because when we got there, they have like a guest review book and there were comments in the in the review book saying like, watch out for the ogres next door and like, thanks big brother and all this stuff because they mm. have, they texted me three times and called me once and during the stay reminding me of the rules and then um we called them saying well if you're not allowed noise after 10 p.m you're not allowed to sit in the hot tub after 8 p.m like how how what is noise like how do you measure the level of noise because you know it's a big fine anytime you get a noise complaint you get fined 500 dollars and asked to leave immediately and we're like it's new year's eve so what's this going to look like and she was like oh yeah well the neighbors complain all the time so i was like so we're just if they hear anything, we're going to get kicked out. And she was like, well, we'll let you know. And then we'll just have to explore it from there. And then when we got there, there was like signs printed over the entire property reminding you of noises. It was so bad. Um, so they just like, it kind of ruined our whole trip. And then I thought, oh, fuck, they actually are watching us because they had this rule saying, we don't want you parking out the front of the property, even though it's a public street that you're allowed to park on. And literally the car, the street was full of cars. And so we parked there. There was no sign saying no parking. And then within 10 minutes of us parking there on the second day, they called me saying, um, we saw you park there. Can within you move 10 your car? Minutes. And I was like, how did you? Yeah. And I was like, how did you see us park there? The cameras? And she was like, no, one of the housekeepers saw it. And I was like, who's housekeeper? So weird. So anyway, I'm going to leave well, a little 
review there, I think. And make sure the next Airbnb you book, it has at least five reviews and they're positive, okay? This one because... had 20 reviews and they were all like five stars. Well, I thought you said it didn't but have any I reviews. Think... No, it didn't have any bad oh. reviews. Uh, yeah, okay. so they were all good reviews. Um, but I could see some of the other properties that they had rented, that they like, um, it was like a rental service. Some of the other properties they managed had really negative reviews about like I got so many noise complaints even though it was me and one other person playing board games outside. Uh, but we didn't book those properties. So we thought we were safe with this one. But yeah, sounds like the whole, lesson sounds learned. Like the whole community are uh, a bit uptight if the neighbors are complaining about noise complaints after 8 p.m. Yeah, well, the they, were, they were a bit older. I know, it's crazy. And it was like a 10-person hot tub as well, which was really shit that we weren't even able to go in because it was too hot to go in during the day. But oh, anyway, well. first world yeah. problems. <laughs> Other than that, did you have a good uh, Christmas and New Year's? Other than that, oh, it was good. great. Yeah, it was really good. good. Nice and um, chill and quiet. And how are you yeah, feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine now. Uh, I got my positive result a week ago. And now for the last two, three days, I've virtually had no symptoms at all uh, when i wake up there's a very mild sore throat but uh, i mean i had that yeah. anyway <laughs> i feel like in this kind of weather you, you know i'm always getting sore throats because it's so humid um yeah so i i haven't i don't have any That's rapid good. tests left they're, they're impossible to get so i can't actually yeah test myself but they do say after seven days you're allowed out and i may or may not have gone for a walk anyway may or may not have <laughs> but you know, I think now um, ScoMo actually said, if you don't have symptoms, you can leave ISO. So I wow. think uh, just the messaging is just so contradictory and changing all the time. So Yeah, it's changing every day. Who knows? Who yeah. bloody knows? Uh, it's really strange how I didn't give it to any of my family members. So, so far, it's been eight days, so touch wood, but I, I didn't give it to any of my family members on Christmas Day. Um uh, a few other people that were with us on Thursday and I think the Monday previously uh, didn't get it. My friend Daniel, he, you know, him, I, I sometimes take a few puffs of his vape. So we definitely were mm. sharing saliva and he didn't seem to get it. Uh, my friend Max got it really badly. Mine was a very, mm. very mild case. So it's all very strange and so weird. Yeah. I, I did get vaccinated pretty recently. So maybe that helped. And Max, I think, got vaccinated quite a few months ago. So I don't know if that has anything to yeah. do with it. Wow. Um, I'm also, uh, you know, I keep pretty healthy. I ate a hell of a lot of vitamins when I knew I got it and mm. drank a lot of water. So I, I don't know. It's it's. I'm glad I've gotten it out of the way now because now I have some. Well, you can get it twice, though. Yeah, they see, I, I hear conflicting reports. Some people say you can get it twice. Some people say if you get it twice, it's probably a different variant that you've gotten. And yeah, I don't know. That's it's right. it's yeah. just, but then some people say once you've had it, then you can't get it again. So who the hell knows? Um, I'll yeah. just live my life normally and uh, yeah, not going to live in, live in fear under a communist regime. So I'm going to just uh, do my shows and, and, which, by the way, are back on every week in Sydney, every month in Melbourne, neildan.com for tickets. And that's my little COVID journey. Very boring. Very lackluster. <laughs> yeah, where's all the... Actually, I shouldn't even say anything like that. But that's good. That's good that you had a smooth recovery. It wasn't too bad. Shorty was okay? Yeah, she 
loves having me around. So she was more than okay. I don't know. Can cats get it? I heard they can. I, yeah, I heard they can as well. So. Well, I don't know how to. I'm not going to do the op- rapid test on her. So. <laughs> um, don't know She'll how to test whether she has it or not, but she seems fine. So. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, what a world we're living in. And speaking of which, we just want to do an introductory podcast to 2022, talk about maybe what we've learned, uh, especially having lived through nearly two years of this pandemic now, and maybe mm. some predictions for 2022 as well, but just a, a broad conversation about this uh, coming year and what it may mm. entail. So how about we start off with you? Do, you? do you have any New Year's resolutions for 2022? Uh, kind of. I know usually my New Year's or my whole goal for the year is, you know, increase my salary by this percent or, or this many thousand each year. Um, and I've been doing that for the last six years wow. and it's it's been working. But this year I actually want a year off from that. I want to like not be so focused on progressing and money. I just want to be able to enjoy, you know, last year we bought a house, we had a dog, um, moved out of Sydney and I, I got a promotion as well. So I kind of just want to sit and, and enjoy this year and, and be able to just relax and focus on my health rather than, I think that I got blindsided a little bit um, being so tunnel focused on things. Mm. So this year is just about being relaxed, I think, and being easygoing. Um, I think that's going to be kind of a vibe for a lot of people this year as well. Like I, I have, my theory is that pe- last year people were really, oh yeah, last year, 2021, people were really searching for meaning because of everything that was happening. And I think that a lot of people were coming to spiritual realizations or finding comfort in spiritual things or religion and things like that. Um, I was seeing it everywhere. And I think this year people are going to be more selfish, but um, in a good way. Uh, like a lot of people saying, you know, I've, I've learned I don't want to do this for work anymore. I can't do this. I'm not going to put myself through that again. Even reading your post that you put, what was the actual prompt? The one that you did uh, last night. I asked people, what lessons have you learned from nearly two years of this pandemic now? Yeah, I really like that. And I was found it really interesting how many people, though, wrote about, first of all, the first one I clicked, it was like the importance of family. And I was like, oh, this is going to be wholesome. That was the only all, positive yeah, all one. The were really <laughs> Everything else was so yeah. heavy. And a lot of it was about trusting and seeing, you know, the truth around about the people around you and um learning to put yourself first and those kind of things so i think that'll be a big thing that we're taking into 2022 but that was really interesting just to see like the mass views of well i mean it's you know overall it's a small collection but Mm. still how many shared the same view about their experience being so negative which is you know fair enough but it wasn't about COVID it was about government hating government Mm. and learning the truth and seeing people who they are and all these things. So what did you think when you got all those answers? Were you surprised or? Well, I knew I'd get a few really. answers like that. Um, I, I figured out that the government isn't worth trusting and corporations are out for themselves and all yeah. those sorts of things. But it was so overwhelming. Most people were sending in answers like that. Yeah. And I agree to, to a certain extent, but mm. this was a very unknown variable that no one has had practice dealing with before unless you're an epidemiologist or a virologist. So people were just uh, adjusting on the fly and doing what they could. And 
with the exception mm-hmm. of Victoria, Australia was very lucky in that first lockdown to get to COVID zero. That's a miracle when you think about it because yeah. COVID is a very infectious and contagious disease. And the fact that we could actually mm-hmm. get it down to zero in all states except Victoria, that is a credit to uh, just the public more than anything because a lot of other major cities and um, large countries did lockdowns but they didn't get it down to zero and you know australia does have a very sparse population but even Mm. in sydney they got it down to zero and that's uh that's commendable and people tend to see just the negatives of the opposing view and 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 the positives of their side of the equation so people who are maybe have a a bit more skeptical of lockdowns uh, really just see the the control element and and how it sort of uh takes a step into authoritarianism but they don't they to be fair you also have to take into account well look at the death rate of australia compared to america compared to Mm. the uk per capita it's still you know quite considerably low so there's positives and negatives and i think if you're truly going to have an objective analysis in well now or in a couple of years time you have to look at both the positives and negatives of both sides of the argument and and it's true that in especially certain states in america they didn't have as much governmental uh control and impact on the way people live their lives and a lot of small businesses really uh will regardless of whether they prospered they were able to continue their operations as a result Uh, but a lot more people Mm. did die so (laughs) you know there's there are positives and negatives each way i probably lie a bit more in the camp that you know i'm hesitant about government coming in and putting a huge amount of restrictions especially because i'm in the events industry yeah but yeah it's probably foolish of me as one person to to think that i know all the answers and how best to deal with it and i think people are taking out their frustrations on the other side and saying all these other people are sheep or all these other people are um easily manipulated or just trust pseudoscience and realistically uh in a country of millions and millions of people there are going to be conflicting views and ideas and that's the whole point Mm. of a democracy isn't it you're supposed to try and come together with some form of compromise Mm. so all things considered except victoria victoria really dealt with it horribly and had a terrible time uh and then the second lockdown in new south wales was quite um difficult (laughs) and even now with all the cases (laughs) spiking it's really bad for hospitality and events no one's coming to our shows um so uh it's it's tough but uh as cliche as it may sound i think it's important to still look on the um the bright side and and see the positives and you know we don't know what could have been we did what we did and that's it and you've got to make two um my personal resolutions, like I said in previous podcasts, I'll, I'll, I want to write this book. I've already started writing it, and I'm pretty happy with what I've done so far. Actually, just Good. doing That's pretty exciting. well. And uh, I, well, I wanted to get to a black belt in Taekwondo last year. I didn't, so I definitely want to get to a black belt this year. Um, Good. And then maybe I'm thinking of starting BJJ, and then I'll be, I'll do all oh, three. No, I'll be, you're gonna be a BJJ yeah, boy. Yeah, I know one of them. <laughs> so so typical um i'm thinking about that i'm not sure um because then i'll have 
decent competency at taekwondo boxing and then the grappling so yeah mma watch out but uh, i'm i'm not <laughs> not too sure about that one uh, i really want to pick up these uh keep keep building these uh regular shows that i'm doing with daniel and max and really create a brand yeah. around that and just uh maintain what i was doing last year and and continually perfect the little things i think the little things are really what matters it's it's not about look the big picture is important you know i want to sell out every show every month in capital cities but that comes down to doing the promotion correctly mm. um producing a good mm. video every week and then how do you produce a good video every week well you have to be organized you have to give a, a proper amount of time each day to to write and then you have to eat healthy and get a good night's sleep to write effectively. So, uh, and, and the, the book's going to talk a lot about that. It re- a lot of it just comes down to the very mundane, laborious little habits, perfecting those. Yeah. And, and then that will yeah. have the flow on effect of uh, the bigger picture. I think uh, the Australian election is coming up. My prediction is that um, because UAP will siphon a lot of labor votes in, in key swing states, liberals will win the election. Uh, because I can't imagine UAP winning uh, any lower house votes. They'll win some Senate votes, uh, sorry, Senate seats, but they'll siphon enough. I think they're siphoning more from Labor than Liberal. However, it's such an unknown this year because we've just experienced, since that last election, there's been the bushfires, then there has been, there was a little bit of floods there in the middle that people forgot about. And then... uh, nearly two years of a pandemic so who the bloody hell knows how this election's gonna go but i people are saying labor is the favorite i i think liberals will win just and and it's because of uap that 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 party is uh garnering a lot more support than people realize and i think it's coming from what would have traditionally been a labor voting block that that are switching over to uh to craig kelly so that's that's my prediction i think uh liberals Mm. will uh win again and then i think the senate Mm. there won't be a majority there'll be a kind of hung senate or there'll be a plurality and and then they'll have to do some deals and nothing will get done standard uh other big predictions for 2022 um uh, probably not in 2022 but over the next three or four years virtual reality is going to start becoming a lot oh. more mainstream. And I'm already thinking about uh, yeah. virtual reality shows because this is going to be so transformative <gasps> for the events industry. I was industry just about to ask you about that. Because once yeah. they perfect that, uh, then geography is not going to be a, of concern and no one will have to travel for a show if, if they can really perfect yeah. that to the extent where you put on your Oculus bloody 10,000 in five years and you really feel like you're at a concert or a comedy show that is going to be an extraordinarily transformative it's technology so and it's crazy. not that it's it, we're not that yeah. far off with the, once they put the 5g towers everywhere they they can do it it's the it's actually the the tech is there it's the um internet bandwidth that's lacking at the moment so i'm already mm-hmm. uh looking into that i might not even be doing yeah. shows across australia in another three four five years wow. there might just be a, a really good vr camera in in our sydney show and that may be enough so i don't think that will really come to fruition in 2022 but uh maybe let's say let's if we're still doing this podcast by let's say 2025 then i think we're going to start seeing things like that really um really taking a hold 
And I think uh, the, the, the dating world and everything we talk about is just getting worse. All the issues people are facing. Uh, there's so many. Mm. Well, there's, there's more podcasts now like ours uh, all over social media. And yeah. you see the clips and, and it often is. It's either two men or, or two women talking from their mm. you know perspective. And um, I'll be interested to uh, see what you think about the – I think you have spoken about it, but uh, I saw one that uh, it had a very interesting and fiery comment section and it was all about – women asking men to unfollow insta models or you know half naked girls on on instagram and i think mm. that's fair enough so long as then the the woman also is willing to unfollow male celebrities or you know guys that she's she's hooked up with and do you think that's mm. fair do you think that's a fair comparison because i i'm now seeing a lot yeah. where where girls are saying Oh, if he follows half naked girls on Instagram, that's a red flag. But one, I'm I've got a mixed opinion about that because, well, why does it matter who I follow on Instagram? I I guess that I'm if I'm following you know Insta models, yeah, I, I'm sexualizing them, sure. But if you're following, I don't know, Chris Hemsworth, Harry Styles, guys like this on Instagram. Uh, what's the difference there you know is it then controlling if a man says hey you got to unfollow all the male celebrities or you got to unfollow the the male models do you think that's fair or what what are your thoughts on that because the comment section was really interesting well i think that what women would say the difference is is that some of the celebrities may not necessarily I think that let me rephrase that that women might not get as upset about their partners following just women celebrities like Like if you're following Billie Eilish or Margot everyone's okay with that I think it's more of the like influences that are just there to ignite you know sexual Mm. interest in in their viewers um and if Chris Hemsworth fits into that category I think that would be fair for men to say well unfollow him then but there's an interesting other you know perspective about Chris Hemsworth is not the ideal um man for a woman Chris Hemsworth is the yeah, ideal man that for a male man gaze, female. <laughs> but, okay I'm saying yes. we can get into that soon <laughs> yeah. but hypothetically yeah, yeah. you know whoever yeah. the male celebrity is that the women yeah. find attractive and they're following yeah I think that that is fair but you know are these male celebrities you know just being very sexual like for example a lot of guys love ariana grande they think she's super sexy whatever but i don't think women would feel as uncomfortable with them following her even though they find her attractive because she's not putting herself out there to be a sex symbol she's not putting these sultry pornographic you know photos and videos up although that might be controversial even just saying that but you know like uh image is, is is i'm a sex symbol it's not everything but it's surely you'd agree it's like yeah. a big part of her image yeah but i don't think she's you know it's not like her entire news her entire instagram feed is bikini photos lingerie mm. photos and things like that which is usually the thick thing that girls are upset about like why are you following women specifically for sexual gratification it's I actually am one of the people that think that you shouldn't do that. I feel it's I find it unattractive when a man who is, you know, like especially in this age, if if I was 25 like, you know, early 20s, 21 or 22 probably wouldn't care as much, but being late 20s and, you know, dating a 30-year-old, I would find that really 
gross um, to me, especially in a relationship. If he was doing it before the relationship, I don't really care. But in a relationship, I just think that it's it's interesting how there are politics to who you like on Instagram and who you follow on Instagram and that that people look at that and see that. Um, and I, I wouldn't do it out of respect for my relationship. I know that it's controversial. People are like, it's a photo, it's a video. I just don't think that I want someone that is obviously and overtly showing and demonstrating his sexual interests in other women in front of me where I can see it. So that would be my view. And I would, if someone said the same to me, I would be like, fair. Like if I was following the fireman calendar Instagram or something, mm. um, and you know, that's supposed to be sexually gratifying. If he was like, oh, you know, you don't want me to follow this girl. So can you unfollow this? I'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well then I think that's very fair. Where's the line though? Because how often are the, I know the Instagram models you're talking about, but they also will have posts about bettering themselves and uh, selling their products. It's not all sexualized bikini photos. There are a few that are like that. So where's the line? Because, okay, we're saying Ariana Grande is a full Mm. person and she's not yeah the, the sexualization is part of what she does but it's not everything she's also a very talented singer and an artist but mm. then the the girl from i don't know the gold coast that has a hundred thousand followers that's putting out mostly bikini photos but then now and again has a few lifestyle posts where's the uh where's the line what determines which one well, makes you uncomfortable? i would say I highly doubt that he is following this person for her lifestyle advice, but you know, it's, it's individual. Mm. What makes me uncomfortable? I'm going to express that to my partner, whether it's this person or this person and not that person or the other person, it doesn't really matter. If something makes me uncomfortable, I'm interested in seeing how this person reacts to that with me saying, you know, this, this makes you uncomfortable. Can you unfollow this? And to be quite honestly, quite frank i've had multiple relationships and dated multiple men and i've never ever had the issue of having them follow these type of women on social media because they don't Mm. um so unless i was you know back when i was 18 and 19 or whatever and and newly single then then i may have experienced it there but as you know a woman in my 20s i haven't come across that so if i became single now and then started dating a guy that did that after so many relationships where that hasn't been prevalent i would just find that such a turn off i would almost look at it as immature um so what about if a guy follows girls that he's maybe had a one-night stand with or uh vice versa if a girl follows guys that he's that sorry she's had one-night stands with what's the what's the difference there what do you think what do you think is it that is not making you uncomfortable for something like that but is making you uncomfortable for the other option I think that, well, I guess it's individual. Like I am not, as an individual, like my view is that I'm not threatened by past sexual relationships. And, you know, if he's going to see this girl moved on with her new husband and dog and baby, like so be it. Even if she's single and sexy, I don't, it doesn't bother me that much. I know that I still follow a lot of men that I've dated. I'm not consciously following them. You know, I just haven't remembered to unfollow them um and maybe i apply my own situation well i am no longer interested or at all sexually attracted to this so i would assume the same whether or not that's incorrect or correct it's just the way i process it um i think it's different when it's you know people that you know but i also understand when it's like a 
a sensitive topic or if it's a close, you know, if it was just the person right before you or there was really strong feelings, I would understand if someone was uncomfortable with that. And if, you know, Adrian had ever asked me, can you unfollow your exes, which I haven't, um, I follow them all. <laughs> but if you said, you know, I'm uncomfortable with this, can you unfollow it? I would, I'd just be like, okay, yeah, fair. Like I might not necessarily block them, but um, I would just unfollow them. You know, I don't see their news feeds as it is anyway. So mm. I keep saying news feeds. I mean, Instagram feeds. It's funny, I can always <laughs> tell when yeah. uh, a girl that I've hooked up with gets in a relationship because just for a couple of months, she unfollows me and randomly follows me back. <laughs> like, yeah, all right, I get what <laughs> my, One of my ex-boyfriend does that all the time. He always unfollows me and then follows me again throughout stages of his yeah. <laughs> dating life. It's and I'm so- like, mate, just fucking leave me unfollowed. I don't care. I haven't spoken to you in seven years. Like. <laughs> If she's threatened about me when I dated you when we were 14 to 18, then that's (laughs) good luck (laughs) that we broke up 10 years ago. (laughs) It's an interesting one because it's one where you also probably do have to look inwards a little bit if you are getting uncomfortable at some people that your partner follows. But there is also a line wherein most people would agree, all right, this person X following these people Y is inappropriate. Uh, But then also telling uh person said to unfollow certain other people is controlling and it differs from person to mm. person and it it seems as though uh straight women tend to get particularly uncomfortable when it's those types of people that we're talking about where it's the very obvious sexualized instagram models or if it's a yeah. porn star on on instagram um and then men tend to get a bit more uncomfortable if a girl follows maybe previous one yeah. night stand i used to get more uncomfortable if a, if a girl followed and interacted with posts of a of a previous one night stand as opposed to an ex-boyfriend um which yeah uh, yeah, it's, that's yeah interesting. It's, it's interesting i guess it maybe because it has that sexual it's, connotation it's, to it yeah. whereas the boyfriend you, you know she's fuming at him about something or thinks he's a dickhead i think that's why it was Perhaps. yeah but um yeah. then also i wonder if the the people who were uh very vocal about men not following those Instagram girls. If that same man was like, hey, can you unfollow um, the guys you've hooked up with? Whether that would be perceived as controlling? Um, because I think that's a fair equivalency. I think uh, I think it's, it's yeah. if anything, that's those are people that the girl has actually had sex with and slept with. So it makes sense to unfollow but at the same time now i'm at a point where i don't i don't have an issue at all if my girlfriend's following people that she's previously hooked up with or or dated i don't feel threatened by that um even if they're whatever sliding into her dms or something i'm like all right look they can try mm-hmm. let's see yeah let's see what they've got yeah. but it, it, it also can be reflective of, of one's own insecurity if if uh, you get if you if you have a visceral reaction to a partner following certain people online. I know when I was younger, I used to just well, there was one particular instance where I was made to feel bad about uh, people that I follow, and then I I actually unfollowed a lot of them. But then she refused to unfollow people that I was uncomfortable about, and that made me really mad. For obvious reasons, it was yeah. totally hypocritical. Yeah. So this is a very new phenomenon, and it's uh, it's just very interesting seeing um the way people have very different opinions about 
who's appropriate to follow and who's appropriate to interact yeah. with. Also, following is is also different to say, you know, interacting with certain posts. Um, I know a, yeah. an ex girlfriend once uh, commented on a guy that she had had a one night stand with, uh, with some like heart eye emojis saying come back to you know the the city she was living in and i'm like you, you gotta be kidding oh. me like this is wow. super inappropriate yeah and then she and then yeah. and then she was like oh you're so insecure you know i was just being a friend and i'm like no Gaslit well you. yeah i mean those all those words are appropriate in that in that situation yeah. and then i felt really bad so um yeah oh. and, and then that's sort of now I'm. I don't think I would unfollow. Pe- I look. I don't follow any. I don't think I follow any of those people that you know we're talking about. Because I just you know what's the point? Like just if you could just watch porn. If you're gonna do that, like yeah, what's the point yeah. of just being teased yeah. by a girl in a bikini when I'm sure she's probably on. She might be on Pornhub anyway, so I don't get the point yeah. of that. But yeah. um, I think that it's good to have actual conversations about it i understand the difference that i actually think you know i kind of agree with men would say it's more impactful when a girlfriend follows their past lovers than when it's just chris hemsworth because you know women have more sexual connotations to those that they are you know emotionally attracted to on average um and men have that stereotype of being more sexually attracted to that that they find physically appealing Mm. so it makes sense as well that they would follow the bikini models and that girls will get insecure about that but i think that it's really interesting to have a conversation and say why are you following them because men will always say well i'm not like get over it you're insecure but why are you following her like what what is the purpose of you following her is it because you find her sexy is it because you find her hot then can you do this privately where I can't see it or I actually find that disrespectful or blah, 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 blah. But if he says, you know, why are you following this boyfriend, this ex-boyfriend, it's unlikely to be, is it because, you know, because I find them sexy or it's more likely to be because I'm interested and I want to know what's going on with their life and I'm curious, which may in some views be equally bad. Like, well, stop thinking about your ex or whatever. But it's really up to that individual person's, you know, view on what they think is appropriate or not. And it's okay to have boundaries that most relationships don't have. It's okay to say, I don't want you watching porn. I don't want you following these girls, but it's also okay to say, well, this is who I am. So you need to accept this or we need to, you know, come to a different kind of conclusion or something Mm. like that. Um, So it's, yeah, I'm really lucky in that I've never had to experience that or have conversations about that and I truly think it's because the men I date have all been very like emotionally mature um and very I don't want to say if you do it you're not devoted in your relationship but that is how the people I've dated have shown their loyalty and devotion to me by not making it obvious if they're following or looking at you know these kind of Instagram profiles or porn and things like that it's never been put into my face where I've ever had to see that so that's been something i I like and I think is respectful. It's very different if they're then interacting with the posts in front of you. That's disrespectful. Yeah. Oh, and if they're interacting, let alone following, that is a huge red flag. Like I, I don't care if she's got 500,000 followers. If you're messaging or putting comments under her photos, that just is so <laughs> sad and pathetic to me. Um, I, I would leave him. <laughs> I just would. Okay. I just yeah, the would comment. Anyone who think comments on those posts shitty. is... Is the definition yeah. of a simp. I mean, you 
you're kidding yeah, yourself. Yeah, it's cringe. It makes me cringe. Yeah, and I've seen girls do it sad. that I know when I click on a guy's, like a famous guy's profile, I see, you know how that you sh- see the comments yeah. of people you know oh, first. And I find it just find it so cringe. Like I just can't handle it. Yeah. Um, for those that are in relationships, you know, if you're single, whatever, shoot your shot. <laughs> good, yeah, luck. good luck. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, all right, let's come back to the male gaze thing. I mean, we've sorry, the male gaze. Uh, we've we've definitely talked about this before, but here's a, here's an example for you. You know when that um, Magic Mike show was around in Sydney. Oh, yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, Magic Mike, famous movie from the 2000s. That's how Channing Tatum got his big break. It's a movie about male strippers and it's uh, a lot of girls love it for very obvious reasons. Now, I had so many girls on my Instagram feed and Facebook feed going to see that Magic Mike show live. And they loved it. And it seems to me for pretty obvious reasons. But those men have bodies and physiques that we would call uh, the male gaze. They're all very buff and muscly and um, masculine. So why is it that uh, women are into that type of, you know, male gaze, ideal body in that situation? Is it because it's also in conjunction with the, um, with the, the showmanship of it and the dancing and the music and the atmosphere and, overall that that provides a a feeling of arousal that's very different to just looking at a guy with a six-pack is it is it because of that well i have a controversial opinion about this which i know all the men in these comments are going to get shitty with me for but i think first of all for the movie magic mike i think that the sexual appeal for this movie is the fact that we see his personality throughout the movie (laughs) where he develops feelings for this girl and then we get you know that's we have that emotional connection if it was just a movie of him dancing alone like the women in this movie have no sexual attraction to the other guys that are dancing with him it's because we know him or you feel like you know him in this movie and you build that oh he's such a good guy he's so genuine he's so loving and sweet so then that makes it really (laughs) sexy and for the for the show i know so many people that went to the magic mike show and i've been to one as well in the past um for a friend's birthday and it was i never heard a single girl come back from that in my experience saying that was so sexy it was just fun and everyone was laughing they found it like hilarious and all the girls were getting like all flustered and cute together like you know it's, it was the experience whereas you know when oh, men so they go weren't to turned on. Club, they're not sit no okay. they weren't like sitting there being like you know guys having like woo like kind of bonding and laughing and pissing themselves rolling on the floor they're kind of like you know seriously enjoying the show and sitting back and letting girl grind on them so i think that men and women actually genuinely have different experiences with um strip strip clubs and when i went to um that magic mike show um with like 12 girls it was so intense that it was on a boat first of all and um there was heaps of strippers and only like 30 or 30 to 50 girls on the boat and there was like you know just half the amount of um of them were men as well and they did their show and then afterwards they they made it like and by the way i got very targeted in that show that's right um (laughs) yeah and it was so overwhelmingly like 
gross. And afterwards, they kind of turn the lights off. They let everyone, all the girls are dancing on their own. The men have gone back backstage, back boat. And then they all come out and start dancing with girls in the cr- crowd. They're lifting us up, flipping us over, licking our necks and shit like that. And all of us left saying that was so fucking gross and like so intense and full on. No one found that sexy, even though all the men would have been, you know, by looks very handsome and fit and good looking. But no one was like, wow, I'm going to be right. thinking about that later. We're all just like, oh, that was fucking wild and weird. Well, the whole um, male- but, you know, maybe other people have different experiences of yeah, it. Yeah, interesting. So it's more the the arousal of the overall experience, the fun and the enjoyment in that group yeah. of girls and the sort of the, the almost clownish uh uh behavior of a man who's shirtless and gyrating extremely passionately although i will say in one of my friends bachelorette parties she had it was very small there was like 12 girls and she had a single um topless waiter doing the event or whatever and he was so nice and he was also a social worker and he worked with kids Ooh. and he'd come sit down and be like, how's your night going? Like, I like your nails, that kind of thing in a very non-sleazy way. Every single girl left having feelings for that guy, I swear to God. Every single one had the biggest crush on him because it, that's my theory about the Magic Mike movie as well because they felt like, oh, we all felt like we knew him and he was so sweet and cute. Oh, he works with kids. So mm. if he had not said anything, which for the first hour he didn't, no one cared about him. <laughs> it was only until later on when he started like sitting down, talking to people, everyone was like, holy shit, this guy is the hottest guy I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. Let's invite him to the club afterwards, that kind of thing. So interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting because uh, it's very confusing, the, the male gaze thing, because we do, <laughs> you know, yeah. am I going crazy when I uh, see whether it's at shows or whether, uh, you know, back, even way back in high school, uh, I see uh, a guy take his shirt off and have kind of abs and, and girls will either woo or, you know, like keep looking. Yeah. Uh, what <laughs> what does all that mean? I mean, what uh, is it that men have a very kind of and- singular view of, uh, mm-hmm. oh, okay, she's just attracted to the body when – that may be part of an attraction, but there's there's still so yeah. many other factors that uh, aren't um, haven't come to the surface yet that could just enhance the attraction a lot more. And and then women, I think feel when you're like younger though, you are being just... told what they're attracted to. Is it those sorts of elements that come into it? Yeah. I think it's lack of experience almost. And I know that when I was young, I would just have a crush on whoever the cutest boy in the school dance was or whatever, like when I was 14. Mm. And I remember like being obsessed with my boyfriend, my high school boyfriend, because he had abs and that was so exciting and blah, blah, blah. And it was very, very image centric, which it is for a lot of people. All the girls I currently work with are teenagers uh, with their boyfriends who are, you know, real shitheads sometimes. And so are these girls though, equally toxic, but because they find each other really good looking. And, you know, when you're teens, you're so surged with crazy hormones that it is, it's all about that sexual attraction. And of course, sexual attraction in adulthood is so important as well. But I think that when you start to prioritize relationships over just this, you know, sexual fantasy, I think that's why people start to prioritize 
traits rather than necessarily just good looks. And also people start to have negative connotations of people that do have these good looks. Mm. Cause I know, you know, in think about a boy in high school, he's 17. Let's say he's really sexy <laughs> to the 17 year old girls and he's got abs and he's really popular. He has so many girls from three different schools. This is what it used to be like, you know, back in, we went to an all girls so school and there'd be school, one boy yeah, from like cause... Riverview that was really hot. And every single girl from Winona, Loretto and Monty all frothed on this same kid. So then he's 18 and he's still hot and he ages out and he's going to clubs and he's got all the girls that are like trying to meet up with him. And you can see how the connotation actually carries on into his adulthood because he's had so many options given to him. You know, no one's mad at him for saying yes to these these options and these girls that have fantasized about him since they were teens that he then becomes an adult who maybe does actually kind of subconsciously treats women like an option or know that they can do really well or get really hot girls. And that's when girls get heartbroken and then think, oh my God, if he's really sexy with abs, he's going to be a fuck boy. Like, I think that it stems that far back, genuinely. Um, and, and maybe that those enough. connotations can sometimes be true because they were really good looking in high school. And any, the only thing anyone cared about in high school was good looks although i do think that has changed massively with you know the kids in this day and age well not massively but a little bit like when i think about who was sexy when i was a teenager i can't remember but you know cl- classic you know crims cr- nah, chris hemsworth style about? guys it was justin bieber in one direction for teenage girls it was still the pretty boy types yeah but that was even a bit like after well, my time Zach because, again like a pretty yeah. not not Yes, it wasn't like wrong. buff, yeah, manly, yeah. you know. It wasn't men. Yeah. <laughs> it was boyish. But then all the like, even now, like if you just go on TikTok, everyone is obsessed, even like 20, early 20s. Um, everyone is obsessed with, what's his name? Timothy, Timothy Chamolet or Chamolet yeah, or something. Yeah, TikTok's also a very, he, uh, I don't know if it's, it's a large portion of the population, but it's a, it is, is mm-hmm. also people who are probably more likely to, you know, be it home scrolling on social media yeah but it influences everyone like when i go to work and i talk to kids about just shit i've seen on tiktok i will literally say like timothy we'll talk about that i said you know have you seen the movie are you gonna see the movie june and they'll be like oh my god yes because it's got timothy chamele so sexy so cute you seen that video of him dancing in slow-mo because it's almost influenced who they're attracted to or maybe they oh, yeah. have just some more wise than what we were. No, and- <laughs> people's uh, se- sexual attraction is very malleable, and uh, when you put yeah. uh, when you put something, someone, someone or something out there as a celebrity, and there's a whole marketing team and publicity team behind it that are designing this person to be a sex symbol, mm. people will fall for that. I mean, that's both male yeah. and, and female. Uh, at the same time, you look at the rock stars of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. They weren't exactly manly men. You look at, Keith, yeah. what's his name? Mick Jagger was a skinny guy with big lips yeah. and long hair. And That's a lot it. of them were makeup. like that. Skinny guys with long hair, makeup, yeah. and very sort of yeah. gender non-conforming, if anything. They wore... Uh, it's kind of coming back to that now, isn't it? I don't think that ever it. went, really. I mean, maybe like you could argue in the 90s Mm. where they're like, even then the rock stars were always like that. But uh, it's, it's, there's not one, yeah, there's not really one body type, I guess, that that's always going to be just the default attractive man. 
But uh, it depends on all sorts mm. of things, what you're going through, even in your personal life. If you've had a bad experience with mm. a, a person who looks a certain way, you're going to think a certain way about people who have a likeness to uh, that person physically. If you, you know, went through a formative period in your life looking up to a certain celebrity, then you may develop an attraction to those sorts of traits. Uh, at the same yeah. time, there, there are probably just innate biological drivers that um, make us probably more so with men, it seems like. Uh, there's just mm. throughout history, there's been certain traits that men have always been attracted to. And I don't think as much as we can try and put other bodies and forms out there and, and sort of hoist them up as celebrities and icons, male sexuality is actually it's not very malleable. I think we're always going to be attracted to yeah. similar sort of things. Yeah. I, I want to talk about something you talked about a few podcasts ago, which was that uh, in France, older women are still seen as sex symbols and very beautiful. Yeah. I was watching this documentary. I've been doing this research about uh, some of the French political candidates and uh, mm. it's very, that their election is, is going to be far more interesting than the Australian election because uh, first of all, Macron is, uh, he's, what many would have called a centrist and he's now had to move to the right to appease the population. And, and it wasn't that long ago they had a socialist president, but the, all the left-wing parties are just not doing particularly well in France. A big part of that is just a, a, a huge amount of immigration that has really changed a lot of uh, culture of, of, of France. And, and um, the French culture is even quite different to uh sort of anglo-western culture like the uk america and australia um mm. and so yeah. uh marine le pen who actually almost won the last election uh was a favorite for a while and she's i guess to the right she's quite nationalistic and she's not people always now just assume oh she's to that this political figure is to the right they're the trump of this country and there's so much mm. uh you know there's there is also a lot of diversity on the right. So she's not at all. Yeah. She's very educated and she's nothing like Trump in terms of character and personality. We'll say that much. But uh, now this other guy has come up and is now uh, overtaken her in the polls called Eric Zemmour. And he looks like the count from Sesame Street. He actually just kind of looks <laughs> very sinister. But then when he <laughs> speaks, he's, he's very charismatic, very charismatic, very French. <laughs> and... Anyway, to, to get back to what we were talking about, they were, they were interviewing a lot of older French women and, my God, they were so attractive. They were ah, so beautiful. So maybe it's just that they they're genuinely were just more so graceful and the way <laughs> really? their language flows. Oh. And we're t I'm talking about these women looked like they had grey hair. They, they were like, yeah. I don't know about, I think I would guess they were in their 50s, maybe even mm. early 60s, but I, I was... You know, I wasn't like, oh, I want to fuck them, but I was very uh, immersed in, in what they were saying and I found yeah. them very graceful and wow. beautiful and, and pretty. And Poised. compare that to, I guess, you know, an Australian yeah. Karen who's like, I need to speak to the manager. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean it's just, they're just miles apart. It's no so, wonder. Uh, maybe yeah. in wow. France they do find the older women attractive because they're, they're, they're French. Classy. <laughs> everyone in France is yeah. just gorgeous. And it's also just the way yeah. they move and the, the way they speak. It's such a sort of beautiful flowing language, even when you don't understand what yeah. they're saying. It's hot. <laughs> so wow. I just thought yeah, I'd bring true. that up because I thought, uh, yeah, that could be pretty interesting. Um, but 
coming back yeah. to 2022, um, I think there's going to be a lot more podcasts like ours, to be honest, of people talking about this sort of mm-hmm. stuff and trying to unpack all the, the issues of the modern dating landscape. And I know um, we're going to keep doing that. Uh, it's hard to have predictions yeah, we'll just for just get more one year. More. You, know, it's, it's, you can say these are the trends. We had this struggle this time a year ago. We were like, how do you... I feel like actually we should have watched that again before we made this podcast to see what we actually got right. Because I knew that we were talking a lot about online dating, relationships changing, Mm -hmm. more people becoming like relational or seeking relationships. I saw one of the comments on your um, poll thing, Mm. prompt, that you put up was someone said like, I'm... I can't like kind of remember exactly but it was basically like i'm not going to be keep looking around for the perfect guy i've been single for two years i just want to find anyone and get married and have kids well that's what <laughs> they used to do it was never the, the one and i want to find and then yeah the and then she wrote person. arranged marriage just sounding good i went through a phase where i actually wanted an arranged mm. marriage after a bad relationship wow. but then my mum was like nah i'm not doing that. like because it's a lot of work <laughs> did you for ask the her? parents to find someone <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they didn't want to do that. Wow. So, um, well, fair. Because if you... Probably a good when thing. You, when you have... I think a lot of romantic love comes from sort of a void within yourself and you're seeking that in another person and then you put this mm. idealised version of that person and you project that onto them and then slowly that dissipates and that's where so many problems arise. Whereas uh, a more uh, long-term love a a different relational love can come from actually just shared experiences and 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 trust and bond and building a life together and and that's where uh, arranged marriages and and western marriages before the 19th century Mm -hmm. actually came from it was a sort of civic duty more than anything and it wasn't this Mm. you know answer to uh fill the void and what was missing in your life and always be happy and blissful and in love it was no we got to uh build a family together let's let's figure this out let's um let's uh Mm. build a relationship and i think that's i know i say this a lot but uh my um thinking has changed dramatically from okay who's the right person for me to how can i build the right relationship for me and whoever the person is as Mm. long as they tick some basic requirements i mean i I don't i don't think i'm that picky i don't know i don't know everyone says that though but then it's more about okay how can i then um figure out how their traits and and my traits can come together and we can get the best out of each other for the sake of the relationship the the relationship is an entity in itself and Mm. whoever you're with you're with and then can you actually um, figure out an effective way to communicate that that is uh, optimal for both of your personalities. Can you have a long-term plan uh, that works for both of you and maybe compromise on some individual desires if, if you need to, but again, for the sake of the relationship. And I think that's a, a, a better way of seeing things rather than, okay, who's the right yeah. person for me and do they tick all these boxes and are they perfect and do they complete me and that um i wonder if more people will go down a more traditional path because 
seeing the ills of modern dating now is actually uh, vindicating a lot of cons- social conservatives who are saying, well, we told you <laughs> this is this is what we said was going to happen. People are going to become miserable and just having casual sex and be unfulfilled. And and they're not entirely wrong. A lot of people are living a very depressing life, but they're very liberated. And uh, I think it's vindicating mm-hmm. a lot of Christians and Muslims and or just general social conservatives. So, um, no, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if people will sort of take a turn backwards. But again, like I said, it's hard to predict what will happen in just one year. Uh, it'll These will be sort yeah. of 10-year trends. I think so. I think that it is becoming more... One of the things I think that have come through 2021 is that people are very or like to think at least that they're much more self-aware yeah. and, you know, have reflected internally and found themselves and know what they want and what they need. A lot of relationships broke down during COVID. I had a relationship, we were together for like around two years that broke down within the first few months of COVID in 2020. Um, and I've been in another relationship since then through COVID. Um, and that obviously progressed very fast we bought a house together and got a dog etc got engaged um so lots of steps forward that Mm, happened in a short amount of time but i yeah (laughs) woo. um but i think that you know i do agree that some people that have standards really really high i know someone i think i spoke about her before actually know a few people but one in particular was in her 30s like 33 and she was so so fussy about men because she wanted the perfect relationship that she was a serial dater she dated a man every single night of the year she literally had dated thousands of men to try find a perfect guy and she wouldn't give anyone a second chance ever she would just find one flaw break up with him that would be it and i met like at least 20 of these guys and they were so lovely so nice because she's very attractive very intelligent high earning so she was also seeking you know men that were also highly intelligent highly attractive high earning you know good for her um and i thought they were every single one of them i met i was like this guy's amazing he's beautiful like as if you wouldn't she'll be like no his family live out of state i'm very family oriented like that kind of thing just these little little things but that being said you know in my most my past relationship i had decided i'd gone from a relationship of lust and love where our love was so intense and so you know beautifully passionate um but unfortunately fell apart because we didn't have those long-term compatibilities so then i thought for my next relationship i would pick someone solely based on you know compatibility or what i thought was compatibility he was a friend of mine for many years before we got together and unfortunately i desperately missed that um that that level of love that i was seeking um and it wasn't the toxic love. It was just that the compatibility mm. was not enough for me. And I really came to realize that it wasn't, you know, I would always say, I just want someone that's really stable and really sweet and a good person. Someone's going to be a good dad. And then I I got exactly that. And then I started thinking during that relationship or towards the end of it, when we broke up, I was like, I really want someone because he was in you know he worked in marketing and was very money focused very career focused and so am I but I felt that we had different different ethics around the nature of his specific work and I was like god I just wish I could find someone that was vegan and like worked outdoors or something like a 
bush ranger or something like that someone that would want to get us sydney um and you know have kids and family and you know that's i feel like i honestly genuinely sometimes feel like i manifested adrian because you know only a few months after saying all that i found someone that was a vegan landscaper desperate to move out of sydney and we have every single goal we have for the future exactly lined up um so i think that compatibility is by far the most important so find that first but it also isn't wrong to seek that genuine attraction and lust and love as well um and you can get both and i think that's a confusion that people like you it's either one or the other you're either super into them and find them beautiful or they're going to be a really good person for long term you can get both it's just you know it's not as easy to find um and you know we all know attraction you know ebbs and flows throughout the years once it becomes a long-term relationship which is why compatibility has to come first as the most important like your long-term shared goals so mm, I agree. Essential. I, I used to think yeah. that was uh, overemphasized, but now having fully yeah. experienced a relationship where the, the love and the lust actually grew, uh, but the compatibility yeah. was always there at the start. Now I firmly believe, like you do, the compatibility is really important. Yeah. And that, um, the, the romance and the love and lust, even if it's not there at the start, that can grow in, in every other yeah. relationship it's been uh yeah. an overwhelming amount of well lust more than anything at the start and then yeah. there's just been a lot of issues but uh it blinds you it for so long does. it'll blind you for six months because of that yeah intense lust and people hold so much meaning to it lust actually develop. i saw That's, um I, I want everyone to to yeah. understand and it can take months it can sometimes even take uh years if you talk to uh Indians who've had an arranged marriage, it's uh, it can take uh, a considerable a considerable amount of time. But that's probably a good thing if you're building into a relationship as opposed to starting off with a bang and then trying to maintain that. You, you want to try and yeah, continually build. Yeah, very and, true. And there are practices you can employ to. Uh, there there are there are countless books on how to increase the romance and the lust and the love in a in a relationship. Uh, it's not all. You know, is this person making me feel the right way? Oh, I'm not feeling that certain way. So it's, you know, it's, it's, and even mm-hmm. just thinking that, that will then trigger a negative yeah, thought pattern, which it. will then yeah. create some confirmation bias. So you almost have to give yeah. yourself alternative affirmations and you can even convince yourself that even if there weren't those initial feelings there, that you really do love this person and that can convincing process can then manifest into reality. So uh, it is, yeah. uh, I've changed a lot in probably in just the last year in that regard. I um, changed my personal opinion on open. Well, not, not really, not broadly for society. I still think that's a thing people can do. And if they can do it in a healthy way, good on them. That sounds amazing. Mm. Uh, I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, I'm personally against Mm. it, uh, at least initially in a relationship, but yeah, I wonder, uh, what we'll be saying at the start of 2023 who knows yeah it'll be interesting i do want to say though to add on to that because i do get messages from people saying you know i'm in in this relationship and they're really amazing person but i just don't like feel for them strongly and i have certainly left lots of relationships for that and yes you can make it grow and you can help it grow but the way i base whether or not 
I should stay in a relationship is one, of course, are we compatible? Do we have the shared morals and shared long-term goals? But most importantly, how do I feel? How do I feel on a day-to-day basis? Am I feeling safe, comfortable, warmth from this person? Then I should stay in that relationship. But if I'm constantly riddled with every single day doubt and uncertainty, that to me is my key and, and a little bit of anxiety that I shouldn't be with them. Of course, people go through doubts all the time and some doubts last three months or six months um, and you come out of that and that's fine. But if it is the entirety of your relationship for a period of time, that might be a sign for you because just because someone is really good and you're compatible, it doesn't mean you need to stay with them, um, which is also a thing. So I don't know. It's true. Take it as you take it as you can. It could also it's, be a I you think problem. That overall, if you're, you're doubting everything, it yeah. could be something you need to work on. Yeah. And, not part, and it may not be the yeah. partner. Yeah. But I think like that our subconscious. It sounds like that was a her. That was an issue with her. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Like on paper, my ex-boyfriend is, is, and he is he was we didn't have a single issue in our relationship we never had a fight nothing he was such a beautiful person and for me it was just that yeah we're really compatible and he's so amazing but it just I just had a feeling I had a feeling for a really really long time that I needed to to leave and when I broke up with him I was like I don't even have a reason I'm so fucking like sorry and if you want to try to stick this out I will but I'm just feeling like I need to do this right now. I don't know if it's mental health. I don't know what's going on. And then I, fe- I genuinely sometimes feel like that was um, a cue I'm glad I listened to because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have found, you know, Adrian, who I genuinely feel like is my my perfect partner mm. if there is such no, a thing, you know? Um, However, so, let me throw so. a spanner in the work. This will, this will make everyone <laughs> yeah. have doubts. Uh, I was listening to a podcast recently where it, <laughs> said that when people endure impactful life experiences uh, on whatever end of the significant scale that may be, uh, they're usually going to give themselves a narrative that, oh, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. At first, I didn't like yeah. it and it was and it was painful and it was stressful, yeah. but that was, I'm so glad it happened. And that's something, you know, I've always said on the, we've both always said on this podcast, give yourself a positive yeah. narrative, but this podcast threw a spanner yeah. in the works because it was saying people give themselves this narrative because it's human nature to do so often, not for everyone, uh, but often it's, it's uh, adaptive to tell yourself, Hey, I went through this tough time and yes. then maybe I got back yeah. in the day, I got, I got my arm amputated, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. It made me closer to God or it made me closer to my family. But yeah. Uh, when you actually measure uh, people's life trajectory and and ab- sort of objectively ascertain whether or not that was a good thing that happened to them, quite often, and in fact, more often than not, it may not have actually been a good thing that happened to them and they're lying to themselves. So just hearing that yeah. really um, threw a spanner in the works as to... Uh, yeah. how I, how we both always say, give yourself a positive narrative, give yourself a good narrative because you could be mm. lying to yourself. So uh, that's just an interesting thing I want to I want to end this podcast on where that's uh, made me change a yeah. few things about how I've sort of perceived myself and what narrative yeah. I've given to myself about previous instances and occurrences that have happened to me. But you know what? I think a positive narr- narrative 
as long as you take responsibility and accountability, if you hold an action to that, it's always going to be a positive thing. Yes, I actually agree that it is how humans adapt and process because humans need to find meaning mm. in things. They need to find a lesson and an understanding of why certain things happen to them. But having a positive narrative is no different to positive manifestations or positive affirmations. I might look in the mirror and genuinely think, you know, I'm so ugly, I'm so ugly. And by saying to myself, Eliza, you are beautiful every single day, three times a day or whatever for a month, I'm technically lying to myself. But what does positive affirmations do over time? We know that it has been shown and proven to genuinely change someone's thought process about it. So after those months of saying that, maybe I look at myself in the mirror and say, you're beautiful because I believe that now. Mm. So, you know, what would you rather? No, of course, I... <laughs> I'd rather put out those good energies and, and say it over and over again until that becomes my reality. And that's the whole, that's law of Absolutely. attraction. Absolutely. I think when it comes to sort of personal... Yeah ways that you may perceive yourself uh that that is undoubtedly a good thing i think this mm -hmm. uh situation was in regards to say a breakup or a loss of a career mm. or a disease yeah. or something like that or or a sort of even a self-induced yeah. illness or, or, or sickness or uh, a, a, an accident that may have been caused by that person and then having a positive narrative about that, which, yeah, it's, it's, it is adaptive and, and you want to come out from something like that. And, but often when people say this was the best thing that ever happened, that breakup was the best thing that ever happened to me. But then when you sort of objectively look at their life, you can kind of say, mm, was it, <laughs> you know, that I think is what they meant, but I totally agree. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not suggesting, um, because this just goes into contradict just this just contradicts a lot of what we have both said in previous podcasts but i i just wanted to mention that because it was uh very eye-opening to me yeah it's good good something good to reflect on and to consider and i think that you know we also can i still believe that it's going to be positive to have that narrative like you know if you'd rather think okay i had a disease that fucked me up my whole life like or an illness now fuck life what's the point of living or thinking or this has given me an understanding, this has given me a meaning or a faith in this, I think that one is much better than the other. That's my personal opinion. But I also think that we also have, as humans, a tendency to absolve ourselves of any responsibility. So by me That's saying, true. oh, it was so good, I found my soulmate. Well, in the process, I might have fucked someone else's life up and broke their heart. Um, and by saying that, am I absolving myself of my own guilt and responsibility in that? So we all have to be cautious of whether or not we, we do that uh, because it absolutely can happen and uh, subconsciously. And, you know, we, we do have tendencies to do that. So it's all about having as much as when, awareness as you possibly can, I think. So be, stay aware, stay awake. Stay aware, stay awake, stay alert on the roads especially. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening yeah. to our first <laughs> podcast of 2022. I wish you all the best for the new year. Come see me live if you live in Sydney or Melbourne, neildan.com. Uh, get some Crush Organics CBD oil, crushorganics.com. Use the code Neil. Uh, we've got a few questions lined up. We're just we're just going to wait a, a week or two before we do some of those, but there are some juicy ones coming up. If you'd like to ask a question, neilcolhacker.com slash podcasts and all the money from subscriptions goes to charity in 2021 we raised over five thousand uh, dollars which included the subscriptions mm. from this podcast and the neil and jordan podcast so uh huge huge thank you to uh all of you for for that 
and let's beat that. Let's uh, let's let's aim for ten thousand in twenty twenty two. That's a nice round number. Good let's goal. go for that. Send yeah. in your questions and your topics and your shout outs and whatever you have. Uh, thank you very much, guys. We'll see you next time. See you next week.